0: Good job, pal, but uh, I got about 160 pounds on you, though. Know. I can tell. You should probably hit the gym. Are you kidding me? Did you, did you hear what he just said? <laughs> oh, my God, I just got thrown out of the bus by Joey. Thank <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Talk to you, pal. Okay. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that them apples, Gilmore? Yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth Alston. locked into the Mile High Hockey podcast for February 29th, 2016. I almost said January, and I can't imagine why. Uh, happy Leaf Day, Happy Trade Deadline Day tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, as we record, it's important to note we're recording at 2:30 uh, Eastern on Sunday, so our trade stuff will be out of out of date a little bit. Uh, coming up in the show, Stadium Series was awesome till it wasn't. witch abs are on waivers now? Trade deadline motion across the league. I'm joined again by the official MHH coverage at this weekend's festivities. This Ryan Murphy. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Then, with nothing else to say, let's just say more things. We begin with the part of this week nobody cares about. On Wednesday, Avs win 4-3 in the shootout over the San Jose Sharks. Pickard got the start and made 30 saves on the way to this one, which included goals from New Shark in his first game since the Leafs trade Nick falling and New Av in his first game since the Leafs traded Sean Mathias. Like, back-to-back. I'd have to prove it's something. Is it dividends? Uh, Gabe Landeskog also scored for the good guys, as did Jerome McGinley on the power play. McKinnon and Duchesne with your shootout tallies. Colorado played really well for 50 minutes of this game. Then they took the lead midway through third and gave up all the ground they'd made on shot generation until good guy but abs killer Joel Ward tied it with his net empty. Uh, doesn't matter. Had two points. But... It was good till it wasn't
1: yep um i made a comment on twitter last night that the most dangerous lead in hockey isn't a two-goal lead anymore it's when the avalanche have a lead
0: yeah i've been thinking of actually writing something lately um which would be it would not take long it would be a very quick graphic of how much worse than the rest of the league colorado are with the lead On Friday, the Old Fart Abs took on the Old Fart Red Wings in the Stadium Series Alumni game, and some 43,000 fans on hand for this one, Uh, which I need to ask the Wild if that's good. Before I give Ryan the mic to talk about it from the on-site perspective, this game was actually pretty fun to watch, um, even on TV. Some of the guys aren't nearly as mobile as they once were, and you can see it, but there's still some like Lidstrom and Hayduk who only just hung them up, too. Val Kaminsky got an extremely fitting first goal on a beauty feed from Forsberg. Joe Sackett ripped one hell of a wrist or through for a goal. Law stopped. I don't know how many shots. There's not exactly a box score for this one, but a lot. And uh, a Forsberg quote I liked from theAvs.com write-up. He said, The game was nice. Nothing nasty going on. Um, it was a good, smooth game. It was nice to see those guys, too, because we have a lot of respect for them. They were great players. It was good to play against them and not try to kill them.
1: <laughs> That's so, good. I hadn't done that yet.
0: So, Ryan, how was it from Coors Field, both as a fan and as a man of credentials?
1: Uh, it was fun, both. Uh, I, mean, I made sure to spend a lot of time outside among the people, and uh, everybody's having a really good time, no matter what jersey you were wearing and i think that was the best part at least for me is that everybody was really really interested in watching their favorite players play one more time against their least favorite players one more time (laughs) and god i think everybody just walked away with a smile on their face despite the result i mean i talked to plenty of red wing fans that night and they just love coming to coors field they really enjoyed the event uh all the stuff going on outside, the uh, Spectator Plaza was fun. Uh, you know, they did a great job, and uh, it was, couldn't have been better weather during the day.
0: Yeah, it was pretty much the most ideal Denver weather possible, from what I could tell, you know, remotely. Um, so, I'm sorry about all your future Detroit transplants. Um, <laughs> hopefully, everybody that came for the weekend does go home. <laughs>
1: back, back to where you came from. <laughs> yeah. But even uh avalanche fans came from all over the place, uh, met plenty of Canadians, met people from the East coast, South. Uh, I mean, it's just funny. Whoever you talk to, they're in an avalanche Jersey. They're not necessarily from Denver or Colorado. And it um, makes you realize that this rivalry generated a very strong national interest in the late nineties. I mean, there's a lot of kids growing up watching hockey during that time that are adults today that still really love the team.
0: So with uh, some 43,000 on hand to watch uh, a bunch of guys who hadn't played hockey in a couple of years, that's uh, it's a pretty good marker for how big that rivalry really got. And this the sheer ovation that they got as the game ended. Just it from everybody.
1: Very impressive. You know, sitting among some of the national writers, you've covered plenty of these alumni games were Fairly jaded going into it. We're all very impressed. I mean, it was a show.
0: Yeah, I've watched alumni games before. um, Never for very long because they get really dull really quick.
1: Right. The announcements are almost more fun than the game is.
0: Yeah. You know. Uh, but
1: this one wasn't. And Joe Sackick, after the game, uh, mentioned that. People were trying. I mean, people were back-checking. You know, they were uh, playing strategy. <laughs> said the wings went to a neutral zone trap at one point, and they had to adjust. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, hilarious in itself. But you know, uh, Patrick was taking it very seriously himself. Um, we were counting in the box. He saved twenty one of twenty two shots. Nice. And uh, that's Hall of Fame numbers right there. They should probably let him in.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, um, at the end of the Hall media stuff, Peter Forsberg said his favorite part of the game was winning.
1: <laughs> and uh, Patrick Waugh after the game said that uh, he should get one more win towards his all-time record <laughs> <at> the <Super-Odur. laughs> that's and, good you know what give it to him why not? It.
0: why not yeah he he looked really good you could tell yeah. he'd been working a little bit
1: well he gave a lot of credit to his players after the game too he says you know I don't get to be as effective as I was tonight unless I'm having Nathan McKinnon and Matt Duchesne shoot on me <laughs> 15 to 20 times. Yeah. And uh, he's probably right. I mean, those guys weren't taking it easy on him.
0: No, why would they?
1: You can't. That's like your one and only chance to shoot against the Patrick Waugh, you know?
0: So, after the game, did you ask Sakic and Iserman what their bet was? Because you know, <laughs> Sakik scored more points than Iserman and, and won the game. So... How many picks are
1: we getting? <laughs> well, hopefully uh, top half of their 2018 draft, right? Big bets. No, I didn't catch those guys. I mean, you would be surprised. Uh, I mean, I went down in the locker room both, <laughs> both games this weekend afterwards, and the alumni game was just jam-packed with media, uh, local media, national media, and international media. I mean, you're hearing at least three different languages going at the same time. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> your Joe Sackix and Patrick Waz are just surrounded by cameras. I mean, that was unlike anything I've ever seen.
0: So finally on Saturday, we got a wildly entertaining stadium series game with the Detroit Red Wings, except the second period, which was absolutely dreadful. Four shots on goal aside was as the wind started to pick up in the second. I, I, Yeah, Uh, the Avs would fall 5-3 in the end as Richards scored with a minute to play, followed by Helm into the empty net. But first, Nathan McKinnon scored the exact same goal Sackick did on Friday, except (laughs) this time on a super-hot Peter Mrazic rather than a super-old Ty Conklin. And then Tyson Berry scored an extremely Tyson Berry goal, and Alex Tange put home the trash not 30 seconds after the Red Wings had taken a lead. Um, NBC somehow acted like being outside made the altitude higher than your usual game in Denver. All night long. Even going so far as to send Jeremy Roanick to the famous Purple Row, where he talked to the second best fan of the night. And I cannot find a video at all of this. Um, but basically, for those of you who were there and haven't had a recording to watch, he's like, is it hard to cheer up here in the thin air? And the guy waves his beer can around, just doesn't miss a beat, and he goes, it's always easy to cheer for the avalanche. You just have to stay hydrated. <laughs> <clears throat> the first best fan, of Co- of course, was the kid, in the cold open. So how was this one on site?
1: This one surprisingly was probably even more energetic. I mean, granted people had all day long to uh, prepare for it, (laughs) Uh, stay hydrated, if you will, according to that guy. (laughs) Uh, People were out on the streets early. I mean, uh, people were showed up to spectator Plaza at like 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, they're getting pumped. And the noise in the stadium was just it was buzzing. Um, you know, you could definitely tell that was the main event, and I'm, I'm happy. That's what happened because the alumni game could have easily overshadowed it, but I don't think it happened. I mean, uh, I think the announced crowd was 50,095 people. And, uh, that's about as much as you can fit in that stadium these days. Uh, they announced it as a sellout.
0: And I believe them. Yeah.
1: It was full. I mean, uh, Always more red jerseys there than you'd like, but, um, you know, uh, all those that's guys
0: have to do. For this it game, is. that's intentional. Absolutely.
1: And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what else is fun, but uh, it, it, really, I mean, it was a great first period. And that second period, like you said, is just god-awful. And uh, the Avalanche with a 2-1 to lead just play a different style of hockey than they should be.
0: Colorado's uh, playing with the lead is just a problem. That's all there is to it. It is just a problem.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just a change in efforts or a change in strategy. I mean, uh, maybe I'm not the best person to observe what's going on defensively, but, you know, they stop trying to get the puck up ice. Uh, Start trying to chip it out a little more, and they just lose possession. They... Give away possession by just dumping the puck in and make line changes instead of doing it on the fly.
0: Yeah, to uh, to offer a T A E K take on that one, it's they stop trying to move the puck up ice and start trying to get the puck up ice.
1: Right. It's uh, it starts the lack of purpose. And I'm I'm not sure what the solution is to that. I'm not. uh, I think maybe it's they're following coaching maybe they're not following the coaching i i couldn't tell you what where the problem stems from at the moment it's just uh it's what this team is this year Uh, hopefully they won't be in the future but right now the results we're seeing are largely because of what they're doing with one goal leads
0: yeah i think the coaching staff knows their defense is not where they want it Mm -hmm. um that's pretty clear um they play a bend, drop break kind of style where they block a higher percentage of shot attempts against than other teams do, mm-hmm. um, and that just gets amplified when they play with the lead. They stop being as aggressive on the puck carrier is something that I see. They kind of play like they do on the PK where they kind of wait and react instead of forcing things, mm-hmm. um, and then when they do get it, it's not so much a breakout as it is they throw the puck away and go get off the ice.
1: Right. Out of desperation.
0: Yeah, it looks like a five-on-five penalty kill at times. And sometimes that's because they've had a ridiculously long shift, and what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, and I think they start adjusting for that afterwards, and they start taking almost too short of shifts in order to compensate or make sure it doesn't happen again. And I think that's also a problem, because you're giving away possessions. You're giving away potential shots.
0: Yeah, for all because for all the festivities and the pomp and the circumstance you got to remember the stadium series game was still just a a two-point regular season game right um, that against out of conference opponent (laughs) against an eastern conference opponent that does it's a game that still mattered it did Um, Uh,
1: Nashville has been winning just about everything recently and uh, it does not look like the avalanche are going to overtake them in the standings this year
0: no probably not they're five points back at this point um, and Nashville have won four in a row. Correct.
1: Fortunately, standings wise, the Avalanche are still four points ahead of Minnesota as of this recording, which may change this afternoon. But
0: yeah, the the Wilds got a got a face off in about twenty minutes against the Florida Panthers. Um, but as of right now, with two games in hand, Minnesota are four points back. So that's about where we'd like them to be. After the four-game winning streak we talked about last week, they're now on a three-game losing streak, so thank you.
1: Right, market correction.
0: Uh, they had the new coach bump, and it's over.
1: Now reality sets in. So They're still just the same product on ice.
0: Yeah, so Colorado have eight points on the Vancouver Canucks, who are not getting better in any kind of, res- any kind of near future, so I think we're down to a, a nine-team playoff picture in the West with uh, Dallas and Chicago and St. Louis pretty well locks out of this conference. Um, Nashville are six points down there as of right now. Um, LA, Anaheim, and San Jose look like pretty well locks out of the Pacific because yep. they got 10 points on Vancouver and Arizona.
1: Yep. Coyotes were threatening for a little bit there, but they've fallen off in the last two weeks and uh, that 10 points is a lot at this point in the season.
0: 10 points is pretty insurmountable with uh, 20 games to play. But, yeah, I, no one took Arizona seriously early in the season, and everyone was right.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I think they actually impressed me this year. I, I had expectations they'd be among the worst teams in the league, and they weren't, which I, I think is a credit to their coaching. And, I, you know, they've made some good moves this offseason. They've got some good young players on that team, yeah, and not to mention one of the best defensemen in the league
0: one of if not the Mm -hmm. gotta gotta altitude it up because we haven't had any games on altitude all week (laughs) true had a goddamn wednesday night can we stop playing on wednesday nights
1: yeah wednesday's tough i mean uh
0: unless unless it's in the east if it's in the east then fine whatever
1: well, it's the late games that kill me. Yes. I mean, uh, the San Jose game started at 8 o'clock at my time, so it was probably 9, 10 o'clock for a lot of other Avalanche fans.
0: Yeah, an 8 o'clock local start on a weeknight is just a bad idea, and it's because of the NBC's exclusivity window on Wednesday nights. Right. That nobody else can start a game between 7 and 10.
1: And they're Easter. prioritizing other markets you know, in the earlier game, and that's, uh, it's tough for us.
0: Well, you're not going to start a game at 5 o'clock, Mountain. Nope. On a, on a work day.
1: Nope. You know, you just kind of wish they could simultaneously broadcast that on altitude. <laughs> yep. But, uh, you
0: know. Uh, good old TV deals. So, real quickly, before we get to the various big news of the weekend, I do want to mention that apart from our playing with the lead tirade, Colorado are playing a lot better recently. Um, without a dumpster of a game from Varlamov, Colorado win outside, probably 3-1. to one. Um, without the most epic turtle of all time, Colorado probably outshoot San Jose by close to 20 shots, not shot attempts, shots on goal. Um, it's still not great, hence the qualifications there. But um, do you see anything that's maybe driving better play lately?
1: Well, obviously, the I, I think the move to have three stronger lines as opposed to two very strong lines has helped. I, I think they're getting more production out of their third line now that Carl Soderberg and Blake Como and new acquisitions from Matthias, or competent goal scorers, <laughs> possession drivers, you know, uh, that's going to help you. I mean, not having a bottom six, that's pretty much just dumping the puck and getting off the ice, like isn't going to drive possession. Right. And we've seen results in these last couple of games, even the first period against the Red Wings on yesterday, last night, Saturday. Um, I think they were 20 shots to 12 after one. The Avalanche were winning. I mean, Yeah, it was. That was a.
0: At at even strength, that was something like what the Corsi was. Yep. They were tied overall, but Colorado had also had to kill an extra penalty. Correct.
1: But, you know, that was uh, pretty much a continuation of the first two periods against San Jose on Wednesday. And we're seeing flashes from this team that are pretty exciting. And it's not there yet because they can't do it for three periods, but. you know, we're seeing the potential of this team.
0: Well, they, they've scored goals recently on long extended shifts. I mean, when yeah. does that happen?
1: Well, uh, I think the defense is a good too. We're also seeing that, you know, the avalanche go as Tyson Berry goes in a yes, lot of games.
0: That's definitely and true.
1: Tyson Berry had a couple of weak defensive plays last night. From what I can see, I- I've yet to see any of the replay on video. And the view is not all that great from the press box. So my blind ass probably needs to review a couple of those things.
0: But <laughs> No, you're not alone with that feel. Um, as Avs Twitter ripped itself apart last night, as of course is tradition, uh, Tyson Berry was a hot point because he played so well offensively. And when he wasn't doing what he does very well, he was doing everything else very poorly. Right.
1: Which is a trade off you're going to have. I, I think. I mean, we're talking about this uh, after that PK Subban play that his coach ripped him for a couple weeks ago against the Abs. You're going to have some bad, because of all of the offensive good that he produces, and I think we'd like to see his defensive play be more moderate as opposed to poor. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a trade off you make. As long as it's not on every defensive pairing, you can, you need a guy like Tyson Berry in this league today.
0: Yeah. But still, first star is to go to the gym, kid. Without question. Right. Uh, One more question before I move on about the stadium series game. Did you bring home any fake snow?
1: I didn't, but I witnessed a lot of people in the stands getting some. Uh, (laughs) You know, I kind of made a joke. You know, people go to baseball games, get baseball souvenirs. You know, people came to the stadium. Series got some synthetic fake cotton.
0: Yeah, um, i It was uh, Casey from uh, from BSN said that her section was covered in plastic sheeting for a second.
1: Oh man, it was it was pandemonium. I mean, that the scene there was just unreal.
0: And, and I mean, I'm I'm sure the NHL wasn't happy with that situation, but I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious.
1: It was a pretty good comedic moments you know uh it took away some of the seriousness of the game really but i just i hate the snow even if it weren't blowing away yeah i was talking about this in the in the box there I, I wish they'd put a darker setting underneath the ice i think it'd look better on television i think it'd look better to the crowd because the white on white on white on white is kind of hard to look at yeah and it's sort of disingenuous anyway i mean it's 73 degrees out earlier in the day
0: (laughs) yeah what bothers me about the fake snow is not any of those things although those are all valid points to me it's 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 not the winter classic it's a stadium series right like save the fake snow for the winter classic if you don't get snow that's that's how i feel about it let the stadium series be very clearly at a baseball field right this is called the stadium series
1: yeah actually i hadn't considered that i like it though
0: put the tarp on the dirt so we don't ruin it and go from there yeah,
1: you know, as they did a pretty decent job, you know, trying to make a, a spectacle of a normal hockey game, uh, building the mountains and the stage in the background, the auxiliary hockey rink was kind of fun to watch, watching kids scoot the puck around. I mean, that, I mean it was just uh, such a production, and I didn't expect that going into it.
0: You went more all out than you thought they would.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, they made a a weekend or really two weekend show for the fans. And uh, outside of the hockey, I I don't think you could ask for any more. I think everybody really enjoyed it. Until it started blowing away.
0: (laughs) Until it started blowing away, which made some people enjoy it more. And then until the end.
1: I was there until about 11 o'clock last night writing something, and you guys should have seen the field afterwards. It was just completely destroyed. No one was doing anything to try to stop it.
0: Yeah. During the game, there was like an army of dudes just trying to catch snow and hold it down and keep it out of the stands.
1: And that army of dudes threw up with their hands and went home. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) It was tough. So. Go ahead.
0: No, if you had more, I was afraid to move on, but if you had more, go on.
1: No, I mean, I, th- I think they're having a sled hockey game today, and that's the last use of that rink.
0: Really? That's cool. Yeah, it
1: is cool. But it's, uh, it's not going to look as good as it was. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was, that was fun, and maybe we can do it again sometime. I don't know. We do, we're not Chicago, so maybe a while, but maybe.
1: Right. I'd like to see it against a division rival probably at some point. I'd like to see the ABS in one of those games. I mean, go be the traveling opponent. Yeah. Uh, go play against the blackhawks i think that'd be a really good stadium series game
0: it would um maybe the thing is the stadium series ice kind of slows the game down a little bit and the way chicago colorado games go that would probably be a pretty ugly chicago colorado game
1: yeah i was talking to mckinnon afterwards and he said the the ice was ideal really yeah he said no complaints he noticed no difference at all
0: Kyle Quincy, (laughs) this is one of the things you miss if you were there, and don't go back and watch the replay. Pierre um, did an on-ice interview with Kyle Quincy as the first intermission started um, before Coldplay Light performed, and he was complaining about the ice being hard to glide in. Interesting. Like, come on, dude.
1: I didn't know you were such a glider.
0: Most of us did. You know,
1: I'm not sure... Obviously, without knowing the nuances of ice as well as some people do, I'm not sure what the difference is except for the technical differences. I know they pour it thicker. Um, I know they have to zam it about twice as often just to keep it even. Uh, I mean, they're it's going all day. They're zamboning that ice all day long just to keep it as flat and even as possible, mm. you know, especially when it's in the sunlight. Right. And uh, they do pour it twice as thick. It uses almost twice as much water. Um, I'm not sure how that affects skating but uh, I, d- I don't think any of the players had concerns about the, the, All the alumni last night thought the ice was great And it was much warmer leading up to game time Before the alumni game
0: Yeah, it was earlier in the day It was Of course, like they always say on outdoor rinks The temperature is not nearly as important as the humidity And this was in Denver
1: Where there is no humidity, I right. assure you
0: Our Humidity <laughs> is, what's that?
1: Yep, well, and, uh, you know, maybe the NBC guys kind of had a point that the altitude maybe is worse outside. I mean, talking to Sean Mathias afterwards, I wrote an article on Mile High Hockey that's up there right now. He said he didn't struggle in his first game with the ABS against San Jose on Wednesday. Um, he said he had a really hard time with the altitude in that game.
0: Um, When did he come to Denver?
1: Uh, I think it was Tuesday. He finally got... The work visa, I mean, obviously he could have physically been here, but I, I think he was at practice the day before uh, the game on Wednesday.
0: Was it a very hard practice Tuesday?
1: Yeah, I don't recall. Because
0: um, what I've always heard people say is, I mean, obviously I don't perform at a high athletic level, um, so my experiences in Denver are not relevant here. Um, but what I've always heard people say is that the the first day, is not a big deal. You notice it, but it doesn't really affect you. It's the recovery.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, I also... What he was kind of alluding to, too, last night, is maybe uh, the one-day shock isn't as big of a deal as trying to acclimate long-term for it, to do it over a period of time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I believe that's what he was implying to me through a series of sentences, but...
0: (laughs) You know, I'd,
1: I mean, I've lived at altitude my entire life. Denver's even low for me, so I don't know yeah. what the hell you guys are always talking about.
0: <laughs> it was just so wild. Like, the, like, and we'll see how the teams will handle the altitude. It's like, they, they live here. Yeah. What are you talking right. about?
1: Right, and some of them play here five times a year, and they're all professional athletes who are in the best condition of human beings available. You know, like, it can't be that big of a deal.
0: So um, the big news this week, or and by this week, I mean literally this afternoon as we sit here in chat, is uh, good news for Calvin Pickard and his future with the Avalanches. Red O'Bara has been placed on waivers. He's finished up his conditioning stint, and he is now on waivers. Um, do Which you expect I... him to get claimed? Because I don't know if I expect him to get claimed.
1: That's interesting. Uh, maybe. I mean, there's teams looking for backup goalies right now. You know, if somebody likes him better than they like their current backup, uh, there's a chance. Um, I mean, uh, there's a little bit of salary involved, so obviously a team that's bumping up against the cap probably isn't making that move, but uh, there's a chance. I'm actually really surprised he wasn't traded. I think this move today kind of confirms they weren't able to trade him.
0: I think that that's probably accurate um it would have been really hard to trade him because of how close to the deadline his ankle injury took him um i would have been surprised to see them get anything but magic beans for the guy Mm -hmm. um which would have been better than losing him for nothing hypothetically on waivers but losing him for nothing hypothetically on waivers is also long term not a horrible deal for the team and then if he if he clears then he's then a new goalie for the rampage who could use him
1: Right. Uh, Earl talked about this last week. The Rampage need a goalie like that. And you can only play, you know, first-year rookie young goalies in the AHL so long. It's a tough league. And uh, having a veteran backup is just uh, very advantageous for the big club. And, you know, maybe they got a chance at the playoffs, right? Uh, he will qualify, according to Dan Weiss, their play-by-play guy. And,
0: uh yeah. yep. outside shot. Miko yeah. Rantan
1: scores again last night. Good for him. Yep. I think he's now fifth in AHL scoring.
0: Yeah, as Colorado have continued to send guys down, we were starting to wonder whether we were going to see a Miko call up, um, and then they brought up Martinson again.
1: True, but they could also make another move. If they don't make a trade here, uh, I mean, Barrett was one of the scratches on the roster last night. So I imagine they try to fill that spot with somebody. Uh, I'm not sure if that's through a trade or they call up somebody from San Antonio, but... Outside shot.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you think the ads are gonna make any more deals? I
1: I think there's a chance, but I think it's extremely minor. Uh maybe it's somebody you can put in that bench spot that you can call up in a pinch if somebody gets hurt. I think it'd be more of a depth option than a starter. Um that's my feeling anyway. I, I think they're I don't I don't think they're willing to pay the price for somebody that can make an impact on their roster currently.
0: I definitely do agree with that, um, especially since the team continues to talk about, um, you know, like not wanting to mortgage the future for this year and stuff like that. And uh, plus, as you actually look at the roster, you see free, impending free agents, um, Alex Tangay, Sean Mathias, Jack Skilly, um, Andrew Bodnarchuk uh, Jesse Winchester and then numerous guys down at the AHL level plus RFAs in Nathan McKinnon, Andreas Martinson Mikhail Gregorico, Tyson Berry Calvin Pickard um, there's a lot of change that this roster is going to go through just organically this summer
1: yep yep and some of those RFAs are not pieces you can afford to lose and uh, right. they're going to make some money I think uh Grigorenko is a prime candidate for a bridge contract. Yeah, I agree that, with that. I think he's I mean, the bridge contract overall in the NHL is probably going away in general, but Grigorenko hasn't had a lot of opportunity to define his NHL worth for a long-term contract. And uh he needs two years to do that, and he's going to get the opportunity in Colorado. and I think he wants to be here. Um I think he's good for yeah give him a two-year contract Tyson Berry Nathan McKinnon those guys are absolutely getting paid
0: lock them up yeah
1: and they're getting paid big money and you need enough room on your salary cap to feel comfortable signing those guys to big money for long-term contracts
0: yeah and Colorado do have the cap space to add if right now if they wanted to they do they they do have over seven and a half million projected end of season cap space according to good old general Fanager. Um, they do have an open roster spot now that Wagner got claimed by the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. Did that happen since our last show? I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I don't remember either. I th- actually, I
0: think it may have. Colorado waived Chris Wagner, and the Ducks claimed him back. There is yep. your news update.
1: Couldn't wait to get him back.
0: Was, well, they sent was, him
1: right down to the HL
0: <laughs> I was really hoping they'd do the same thing with Bodnarchuk. Right. Really hoping. Um, But hey, it's I, we, that was one of the reasons we were thinking that maybe they were making room for Rantanen to come up as well. But
1: you know, It's looking less and less likely as the year goes on. I, I think especially the way the lines look at the moment. Mm-hmm. You don't have the place in your top nine to give him the minutes he needs. And you don't have the player necessarily that you're willing to put on the bench like an Alex Tangay. Um, they're not willing to do it.
0: And the way that Patrick Wall uses his fourth line, you're not going to see me go and play there.
1: Absolutely not. Peace. So I think they let him go win rookie of the year in the NHL, start fresh next year when they've got plenty of more wing spots. Yep. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, we haven't seen this kind of development in a long time from the ads because they haven't been able to. Yeah. So we'll see the benefits or the detriment to it later.
0: Yep. I think he slots real naturally next season into Alex Tangay's vacated spot on the roster. Yep.
1: I agree.
0: So let's no. uh, let's wait and see. By the time you, uh, by the time most people listen to the show, it'll, it'll be Monday after. It'll be after noon Eastern on Monday. So you'll know what happened with the end of the Red O'Bara story.
1: True, we And don't... it's actually a good point that you bring up the seven and a half million dollars of cap space, which is a lot, especially for a competing team. You know, a playoff team. They might be a team that can take on salary uh in order for assets, you know, they might be able to get a draft pick out of just taking somebody on and throwing them on their bench.
0: Only in the short term.
1: Right. So you take on an expiring contract. Only
0: in the short term. Correct. Because of all those guys that you mentioned that need to get paid.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, if you can use your seven and a half million dollars of cap space to get a second round draft pick just to take on somebody's expiring salary. Do Go it. for it. The Maple Leafs are doing this right now and they're Good just Lord, yeah, they piling are. piling draft picks.
0: Let's pull up the Maple Leafs on Fanager and count the picks. In the twenty sixteen draft picks, they have their own first, they have Pittsburgh's first if Pittsburgh makes playoffs. They have their second, they have their third and New Jersey's third. They have their fourth and our fourth. They have Toronto's fifth and Anaheim's fifth. They have Toronto's sixth and Saint Louis's sixth. Saint Louis's sixth. It's a and then they have their own seventh. In twenty seventeen, they have their first, their second, San Jose second, and Ottawa's second. Like, holy crap!
1: Yeah, you're. What is? I can't fall along counting very well, but that sounds like seven guys in the first three rounds of each year, probably. I mean, in
0: between between twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, they have exactly seven first and second round picks. Yeah, in, if Pittsburgh makes playoffs.
1: Which they are on trajectory towards, I think.
0: They have the bottom wildcard spot in the East, um, with Philadelphia three points behind.
1: Playing pretty well and, and getting... New Jersey
0: three points card. behind. And Carolina four points behind. Right. But they have games at hand on all those guys.
1: Yep. So Toronto's going to get a lot of draft capital in the next couple of years, and... Uh, you know, you're not going to hit on all those players, but chances are you hit on two or three. Yeah. So,
0: and that's the approach. A- outside the top, like, 20 or 30, the NHL draft is a dartboard. And you're hoping you hit with as- and so you throw as many darts as possible.
1: Right. And we touched on this last week, but I, I think they're creating the model right now. And uh, you're going to see a lot of NHL teams that are looking to rebuild, uh, look at what they're doing right now, and try to copy that. Um, it's going to change the NHL and how they deal um, with veteran players and getting draft picks and how they wheel and deal in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, they're definitely an interesting test case for a new way of rebuilding a franchise because they've got so many really good young players hanging out in the AHL just getting ready for next season to pop up and be like, hi, you've, you didn't know you had us, but we're good. Yeah,
1: so, I'm not- who are they playing in the NHL right now? They've gotten rid of all of their roster players.
0: I think <laughs> they're, they're playing the of, mascot, uh, the hot dog vendors. They
1: put two of them on IR, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm not sure who they're playing, if not their young players from the NHL.
0: So let's look at trade around trades around the league. Speaking of Toronto, uh, James Reimer has been moved to the Western Conference. He was dealt to the Sharks, I believe, yesterday. Um, none of the other pieces in that deal are really very important. Um, but Reimer with uh, with Martin Jones is a massive upgrade over the goaltending tandem that San Jose had.
1: Right. This is a team that looks like it in the playoffs, and you got to have a goalie, uh, and maybe even a goalie and a half for this run.
0: That's the play that they're making because their backup that they had had a sub nine hundred even strength save percentage.
1: A, which is untenable for a playoff team.
0: Yep. And that's why as soon as they traded for him in that deal, Toronto waived him. <laughs> True. They called that's... up Garrett Sparks from the AHL and waived staylock Mm-hmm. So, welcome to the West, and we'll see if, where Reimer ends up signing. Yeah.
1: Speaking of a team making a lot of moves, uh, Chicago's made a couple.
0: Chicago have loaded up... Um. The first move is a familiar name, uh Tomas Fleischmann who's coming over from Montreal along with Dale Weiss. Uh ch- Chicago gives up a prospect uh what what is Dano's first name? I didn't write that down.
1: Marco. Marco Dano. It rhymes.
0: <laughs> nope, that's a different Dano. This is okay. Philip Dano. F- probably Philippe, actually, that's a real French name. Marco Dano's in the lad trade, which we'll get to in a second. Oh. Plus a second in 2018 goes to Montreal. I think that's a savvy move for Montreal to make that pick a little bit later on. But also, Chicago doesn't have their second this year. I'm not sure where it went, but they don't have it. Um, Christian Erhoff um, is headed to Chicago in exchange for Rob Scuderi. L.A. retained $225,000 of Ehrhoff's salary, which is interesting because Ehrhoff makes significantly more than that. But, Chicago are projected to be just under 300000 under the cap. So, there's why such a small number retained. And Chicago does retain over a million on Scuderi's contract. He does, they do retain 50% of that. So, Marco Dano goes to Winnipeg, along with a first and a third if the Hawks win the Cup, which is a hilariously possible <laughs> trade clause, if you ask me, in exchange for Andrew Ladd and Jay Harrison and Matt Fraser. So that's Fleischman, Weiss, Erhoff, and Andrew Ladd all added to your NHL roster in, like, two days.
1: Yeah, that's not fair, is it?
0: (laughs) It's not nice.
1: I mean, they're already good. Way good. And it seems that they're able to make this kind of trade every year. And this year they've made, like, three of them. So (laughs) Uh, that team is so loaded. It's not fair. It's absurd. And all these are expiring contracts, so they're not tied up for a long time.
0: That's uh, the clever part of all this, because I mean, because yeah, called or Chicago right up against the the draft ca- ceiling or the draft ceiling, the cap ceiling here. But Andrew Ladd UFA, Dale Weiss, UFA, yeah. Fleischman UFA, Erhoff, UFA.
1: Yeah.
0: And as you go down to the non-roster players, they picked up Jay Harrison UFA.
1: Right. I mean, this is not long-term money. Um, it's not like Christian Erhoff signed for six more years and you're stuck with his contract. I mean, uh, it's it's perfect. It's it's ideal. I mean, these are veteran players who've been in playoff games, and somebody like Andrew Ladd's already familiar with the team, already saying he wants to re-sign Chicago afterwards. Gosh, that's got to feel good if you're Winnipeg.
0: No kidding. <laughs> uh, I- Chicago's second this year went to Philadelphia, as part of the team and in trade because team and in played in 50% of playoff games and Chicago, won three playoff rounds in 2015. <sighs> Blackhawks <laughs> because pit conditions are like my favorite thing in the world.
1: It is uh, my other favorite thing in the world. We're looking at TSN's draft list here. And, uh, Just in case you wanted to know, they've got a who-won-the-trade meter at the bottom of each of these that you get to vote on. And most of these are hilariously divided, but Chicago's all have won the trade pretty clearly here. And you know what? I can't disagree with it.
0: Yeah, this is completely shocking, but uh, the team with more fans generally win the trade. Right. The exception being the Florida trades, which are all pretty well-approved. Mm-hmm. Florida's trade I mean, Florida's not in a bad spot here um, and they have added Jacob Kendall for a 6th, Teddy Purcell for a 3rd, Yuri Hoodler for a 2nd and a 4th in 2018 um, now they don't have any picks
1: but you've got a young team and you've been building towards becoming a playoff contender for a while so you've know you got to take a chance at some point, Yuri Hoodler's a really good complimentary piece on a good team
0: you got to take your shot while your window's open and Yager's still in his prime, right?
1: That's so, right. He's only got, what, seven, eight more years left until yeah. that window closes? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Frickin' Yager, man, what a legend. Um, naturally, this is a, a, the trade that Ottawa has clearly won by the voting tool was nobody, 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 and a pick in exchange for nobody, 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 and nobody. Seven players and a pick for an AHL deal. I mean what
1: huh. <laughs> that is uh not the kind of trade that the nhl wants to advertise because that's just flipping around roster assets for nothing that, that's, that's
0: a hilarious trade yeah um the justin schultz saga in edmonton finally comes to a close he was dealt to pittsburgh for a third round pick yeah that, that's pretty good value to edmonton for justin schultz if you ask me
1: yeah, what kind of player do you think he was in the last two years?
0: Not a very good one.
1: No. I mean, I kind of had higher hopes for him earlier on.
0: With the hype of him coming out of NCAA, he, I definitely expected him to be a better player than he was. And he even when he was with Oklahoma City in the AHL when Edmonton's team was here, he didn't look mm. like that much. That During the lockout when Oklahoma City hosted Justin Schultz and... Jordan Eberle, and right,
1: the All-Star team there,
0: t- Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, and then the lockout ended and the power play went to Edmonton.
1: <laughs> it did, and the success did not translate.
0: No, um, but Justin Schultz has never looked that special, and no. he generally gets his fans more angry than happy, so a True. third-round pick is pretty decent haul for Peter Chiarelli. Yeah,
1: it is. And uh you gotta shake up that defense. I mean, uh you've got pieces there that you need to build with for your future and if Justin Schultz isn't being a good influence on those guys, then you gotta get him out.
0: Yeah, I mean Darnell Nurse is your defenseman to build around.
1: Oh absolutely. And he's looked really good this year for stretches, but it's not a lot of help there.
0: No, and he's still, you know, brand new to the league. But I mean he's got some of those coast to coach coast to coats Eric Johnson rushes as a really young player. Right. So I mean he he's looking like he could be a legit stud.
1: Yep, they're gonna need more help, but uh, you know, it's it's a start. I mean you gotta have at least one of those guys on every good team.
0: What else happened? What else happened? Um Oh yeah, Eric Stall got traded.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just happened right before we started, so this is uh just now sinking in.
0: <laughs> yeah, here's the uh the Eric Stahl trade. Carolina get um, Alexi Sarella, a Finnish prospect who impressed a lot of people at World Junior this year, and second round picks in 2016 and 2017. And they get half of Eric Stahl's salary. And New York get Eric Stahl at half the cost.
1: Right. And apparently that was the one team he would agree to be traded to. So Carolina's hands were pretty tied.
0: And what's up with trade me to New York and only New York?
1: Uh, lure the big city.
0: <laughs> Maybe you wanted to play with Mark.
1: Yeah, uh, apparently there's another Stahl brother he could go play with.
0: Well, Mark's signed for five point seven million until 2021, so he'll be there. He'll he'll fit in. Oh, I did, I guess Eric Stahl is uh getting ready to get signed to a really bad contract.
1: He is. He is not a young player, and he's also still pretty good.
0: But declining.
1: Right. Which, uh, you know, maybe could chalk some of that up to being on the Hurricanes. He hasn't had a lot of help there the last couple of years.
0: Maybe, but he's also going to be going into his 32-year season next year. I thought he still had a year or two left on his deal, but no, he is a UFA this summer.
1: Right. So Carolina had to get rid of him for something. Yeah. And
0: two second round picks, yeah, nice job. That's a real nice job. And that's absolutely a playoff push move for the Rangers, who are giving up a prospect and two seconds for what could be a few weeks of Eric Stahl. And maybe he signs with them. If he only would be traded to the Rangers, maybe he signs with them in the off season. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think there's something to that. You know, Ingratiate yourself to the player and give yourself a leg up in free agency. I mean, they'll have first shot. So if you like the player and you can get him on a decent contract, go for it.
0: Man, I thought the, uh, the Chicago had a lot of UFAs and RFAs. Look at New York's roster. They are turning over this summer. Yeah. Free agents, unrestricted and restricted, both, include Eric Stahl, Chris Kreider, Dominic Moore, Victor Stahlberg, Kevin Hayes, J.T. Miller, Martin... Huggers, Keith Yandel, Dan Boyle, and goalie Antti Aranta.
1: Yeah. Well, like any of them on the Avalanche next year?
0: Well, I would definitely take any depth forward. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and, obviously... Uh, too hot to yandle Can come right on over. He
1: can. I like his game.
0: I don't know if I don't know if he's going to get a stupid deal or not. He might.
1: He might. I mean, the market for defensemen is just so shallow every off season now.
0: Yeah, but I don't think there's any doubt that he will be the prize at this uh, upcoming free agency.
1: Yep. Puck moving right-handed D. Yeah. I mean, that's just a rare commodity.
0: That's pretty much the end of the trades that are interesting that have happened since our show last week. I mean, you've got Philip Larson for 2017 fifth. Um, you've got Anders Nilsson for Nicholas Lundstrom. I mean, you know, just little tiny moves like that. And those will continue trickling in throughout the day and throughout the day tomorrow. Um, hopefully, we still see Jonathan Drew in.
1: That'd be fun. I still have no idea you know who's got the angle on that one though. I mean he really could go anywhere. But we've had I think since our last podcast, Eiserman say that he is looking to move him. Yep. Yeah. He's making looking to make a trade happen, which was more committal than he had been.
0: Yeah, cuz I mean, Eiserman's position before had been I mean, if he wants if he's going to refuse to play, we're going to have to move him, but we don't have to do it on his time timeline. Why would we? Right. You can't bully me. I don't True. know, maybe getting humbled by Joe Sackett put, the, put some movement into him. <laughs> Saying, okay, maybe I actually do need to, maybe I'm not God here.
1: Right. Well, you know what? Uh, hopefully there was a little bet going on the ice, and when the Abs won 5-2, to two, Joe skated right over and uh, collected on <laughs> his victory yeah, bet. Yeah, so 5-2,
0: that. that means drew Ann for a second and a fifth, right?
1: That's right. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see the Avalanche be able to do it. Unfortunately, I'm just not willing to do it for Zdorov or Bigra or Rantan. I mean, that's just a non-starter. I mean, if you could do it for a Siemens in a first, I'd do it in a heartbeat. A heartbeat.
0: Yeah. A, a deal for Druan should be painful. Um, should be. The team that picks him up, I don't know if it will be because of his situation. Tampa don't really have a whole lot of uh, they don't have a whole lot of leverage on the guy right now. They're like they don't like he has and to be moved. So why should we offer more than this?
1: That's I think why the comments this week were interesting by Eisenman this week because, you know, it almost seems like they don't feel they're in a position of great power anymore. You know where they can demand the entire world for their former number three overall draft pick, number four overall draft pick. Uh. I don't know. I, I wonder if they'd take a lesser, less of a deal than what they initially wanted. Just to get him off the books.
0: I don't know. They're, you can't have... I mean, it's just an ELC, so it's not like they've got all this money tied up in somebody who's holding out. It's right. just, you can't have that sitting on your team. Especially when it's looking less and less likely like you're going to be able to retain Stamkos.
1: And you want to be able to negotiate with him, honestly, as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're jerking around Druin, you know, it's just... I'm not sure what stance you can take when going into the negotiations with Stamkos. I I mean, mean, you've got to have some sort of linearity with how you deal with your players.
0: It's reaching the point where... I don't know if Tampa are going to be able to afford Stamkos.
1: Well, he's probably one of the biggest free agents we've seen on the market in years.
0: Yeah, he, he's going to demand Taves and Kane money. Right. The or 10, maybe he'll 11, go for one of those cute little $9.1 million deals.
1: Right. For a longer term or something. But
0: but I mean, they've got $5.8 into Ryan Callahan, $5 million into Philippa, Leff, three point three million into Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat. They've got UFAs coming up in Alex Killorn, JT Brown, Nemestikov, Kucherov, Pocket, so and a couple of other... Uh, defensemen who don't see a whole lot of ice
1: sure you've got money's there
0: i mean you say that but uh they've got zero predicted end of season cap space right now and that's what (laughs) stamp goes at 7.5 right and he can easily get more than that
1: you need to find four million dollars somewhere you know, and you also have to improve your roster to where he wants to be there. So um, we're going to find out exactly how good of a GM Steve Iserman is this offseason.
0: Mm-hmm. And all this is with minus 3.5 million because of Matthias Oland on uh, IR.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's going to count again. Yeah. Huh. Well, Good luck. Uh, If we can uh, help you guys out, (laughs) we'll take on a contract, too, for Jonathan Druin.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, as close as they were to a cup last season, are going to be wildly different next season. They've got 49 contracts on the books now, and they have 28 next year. Yeah. And a lot of it's RFAs, so it may not be that different. But their salary structure is going to change, and it's looking more and more likely like Stamkos will not be part of that structure.
1: Well, it looks more and more like Toronto really, really wants him.
0: Yeah, that's, that's Toronto for you. Yeah, it is. But could you imagine Toronto going within one day from what they are now to Game 1, October 2016, with Nylander and Marner and Stamkos? Uh,
1: sheesh, and a line.
0: Like, um, that went from nothing to, whoa.
1: Right. I mean, that's a, that's a real, real top line there.
0: And, not I mean, not that Nylander and Marner are going to be tearing up the NHL immediately. That would be crazy. Right. But
1: all of a sudden, you've got something to really look forward to as a Toronto yeah, fan. Which the talent is, is
0: suddenly there.
1: I mean, granted, Tyler Bozak's still there, but...
0: Yeah. Well, he's obviously going to be the captain for years to come. Right. Assuming he doesn't get traded um, along with the second round pick to St. Louis for Paul Stastny.
1: Correct. Right now. Yep. uh, Saint Louis is another team that could probably make probably is going to make the most interesting deadline move. I think. I think they have to. I mean, they're good right now, but uh, you know that roster is a little bit stuck, and they need scoring.
0: And they have to get through Chicago.
1: You absolutely have to, or that team is getting blown up. The coach is going away. (laughs) Uh, Things are getting shaken up in Saint Louis if that happens
0: they they're got contracts expiring on fake tough David Backus, on Troy Brouwer, on Kyle Brodziak, on Scotty Upshaw, on Carl Gunnerson on Steve Ott. No. No. <laughs> You've got to re-sign Steve Ott for $2.6 million. Come on.
1: You do. That's my favorite up, deal I... to make fun of. Well, you could go elsewhere soon. <laughs> Somebody will um, have a need for Steve Ott.
0: It's been hard for me to make fun of his deal this year because he's had a broken leg or something. Right. And then they've got RFAs and Jaden Schwartz, Tyratty, and Magnus P. Yarby.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, gosh, that roster's shaken shaking up too.
0: And Joel Edmondson and Anders Nilsson.
1: It's going to be an interesting offseason, mm-hmm. especially if the cap goes down like it's predicted to. So yeah,
0: with, uh, with the state of the Canadian dollar, that's probably happening. Well. So, I I was really hoping something else would break while we were talking, but no.
1: Nope, no breaking news.
0: So, we'll just have to look ahead to the future. Uh, The Avs are back at it this week. They've got five games in ten days, starting on Tuesday. It's an absurdly important game in Minnesota against the Wild. That's a six o'clock start, Mountain, on altitude. Don't miss it. That's as close to a must-win as you're going to get. Homestand begins on Thursday as the Panthers come to town for a 7 o'clock start on Altitude. Then on Saturday, another important matchup as the Predators stop by for a matinee. Also on at Altitude at 1 o'clock Mountain. I love early games. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and uh, big home series. Yeah, big Homestand. you got to win a bunch of these. I mean, come on, guys. Let's put some space in between us and Minnesota. Let's make it comfortable, please.
0: Yeah, Minnesota are playing right now against the Florida Panthers. Um, they may or may not be able to tie the Avalanche in the standings with a win on Tuesday. They are ahead right now, but they are also killing a penalty. Hopefully, uh, Florida will be able to pull that one out for us.
1: Go Panthers.
0: Help me, Yarmir Yager. You're my only hope. Mm-hmm. Um, then Colorado play the Panthers on Thursday, and the Predators on Saturday. The Predators have been hot lately. We were talking before we started recording that the, Pan- the, the Predators have won like three, four in a row, something like that.
1: And demonstrably so. I mean, what, they put up five goals against St. Louis the other night? I mean, that's, uh, that's tough to do for any team.
0: Yes. For all the problems so- St. Louis may still have, they still are not going to give up that many shots, let alone that many goals, very often.
1: No, So we need to entertain the idea that Nashville may actually turn into an offensively capable team
0: <laughs> yes. finally,
1: which uh, makes them dangerous. They've got the pieces there.
0: Yes. Yes, they do. So hopefully we can book six points this week. Um, we need better goaltending for that to happen than we got on Saturday. I think we will. That was just a bad game.
1: I think so too. And I know a lot of people right now are calling for Calvin Picker to start at least two of these games and like, guys – Your goalie, Voronov plays a lot better when he's playing often and seeing a lot of shots.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, the abs didn't get a lot of practice in this week. Uh, You know, the ice outside was barely available during the day because it was soup in the sun in the middle of the day. Like, most of the teams are cutting their practices short. And Mm -hmm. it's just odd conditions. I mean, you throw them right back in there against the wild. Let's see a good game. And then you go from there.
0: If you insist on Picker, we'll see him on Thursday.
1: Right. Yep.
0: Unless it's a back-to-back or he's nursing some kind of minor injury, minor discomfort kind of thing, we should be seeing Varlamov pretty well every game, especially every game against the Central until the end of April.
1: Right. We have no back-to-back games until the end of March.
0: That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) They've had a lot of back-to-back games. That's good to know. Right,
1: most of these are your uh, two days apart variety.
0: Yeah, after we got a little cluster here, then it's two days before Winnipeg, then it's three days off, and you got three days off again later on in March. The back-to-back is both on the road, though. That's unfortunate. It is. And it's Nashville and St. Louis, which is also unfortunate.
1: <laughs> yes, it is.
0: And they close out the year with five games in nine days. You yeah. know. Against a Sorry. bunch of really good teams. Okay. Yep.
1: Avalanche schedule uh, from here on out it's not easy. No. And it's because they play a lot of division games.
0: They do. I'm looking at March as let's bank all the points we can in March because we've got next week there's Arizona and then later on Winnipeg, even though Colorado doesn't necessarily match up real great with Winnipeg. And then they've got Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Philadelphia. There's going to be some points to bank here, even if it is road trips. There are.
1: And... uh abs need to not struggle against the canucks again it's just inexcusable
0: because here's the last few weeks of the season minnesota nashville st louis washington st louis nashville dallas anaheim
1: uh, ouch hopefully some of those teams are resting players <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe so because i don't think colorado are going to have the wiggle room to rest anybody they not, really aren't not unless minnesota falls off a cliff
1: but this is the team that also kind of plays up to their opponents, and plays down to their opponents. So, maybe it's even better for them.
0: You still haven't given me a prediction for next week.
1: Four points.
0: Four points. Is that, two, oh, is that 2-1-0? Uh, oh? Is that 1-1-1? One, one, one? Or, or one 2 Which one what is, what is, what is the overtime number? One oh. win, two overtime losses? <laughs> <clears throat> let's
1: do... Let's do one overtime. Well... No, let's just to do, do regular season. Oh, we've only had the three games, right? Yeah,
0: three three games.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's just do two regulation victories.
0: Hopefully, one of them's on Tuesday.
1: Hopefully, the other one's on Saturday. <laughs> just uh, you know, win in the division. I don't care what you do against the Panthers.
0: I don't think there's <laughs> a great chance of Colorado catching Nashville, and I know, I know you don't either. Um, no. The, most important game is definitely Tuesday. Hopefully they don't go out and do the uh, stick-gripping thing. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, um, it's, they're all big games from year on out. You can't call one more important than the other. I mean, the Avalanche simply, they control their own destiny, just win the damn games.
0: Yeah. Two points is definitely two points. Um, that it's happened to be four points when the other team is Minnesota. Right. But every other game against Minnesota has been just as big as this one, now that you look back at it in hindsight. So every game matters. Just go, go win some games. You control your own destiny.
1: Right. That's all there is to it.
0: And whatever ends up happening this week, you know, that you can find out here on the Miley Hockey Podcast. Yeah. And as always, at uh, – why was this a pause button? What? The thing is doing weird things. Um. On the Mile High Hockey Podcast and on milehighhockey.com. The latest abs, news, and updates can always be found there. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey and on Twitter at milehighhockey. Follow the podcast at soundcloud.com slash podcast or mixcloud.com slash podcast or on on iTunes where you can rate, subscribe, and review. Or on your favorite RSS aggregator on your phone, whatever you like to use for your podcast, whatever your podcatcher is, we're there. Big games coming up for the Avalanche this week. Keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we will see you on the other side of what could be a really, really important week.
1: Man, I almost never wait for that last sound.
0: <laughs> According to some guy. I don't know who this is. He doesn't seem to be. He's a he's a so hockey columnist at BruinsDaily dot com. Whatever that means. Hmm. Just confirm the Ducks and Lightning indeed deep in talks surrounding Truan and likely Votman. The Ducks. The Ducks.
1: You've got to be kidding. That wasn't on my radar. Well.
0: And it's it's not even somebody with a check mark. So it's just some dude.
1: Yeah yeah oh, it's
0: just You couldn't <laughs> do that during the show, asshole.
1: Right. Could have made for some interesting speculation that wouldn't have panned out.